Hi, this is Jindo. Welcome to Tree Leaf. I'm in street clothes today because our subject is the Malakurti, a man in the streets. I mean, he really got out there. He was, you know, a guy like you, like me, a layman with a family. Well, okay, he was pretty well off, according to the story. You know, three-car garage, uh, you know, nice house in the rather uh, choosy suburbs. He even had a harem. Well, that's what they did back in the day. But the point is that it's what he did with this lay life that made all the difference in the world. And also, he was of the world, but yet free of it. He was not a prisoner of ignorance and greed and anger. Yet he lived in a world of the marketplace, out in the streets. According to the story of the Malakirti Sutra, and you can tell why it's very special to our Sangha, he was someone who did not run to the mountains, did not run to a monastery, but practiced in life, even going into bars, even going into brothels. Though the point, according to the story of him going into bars and brothels, was not to fall into drunkenness, was not to fall into lust, but to teach, to manifest the Buddha's wisdom and show it in all parts of his life. You know, for example, take his money. The fact that he had money, well, what you do with your money is all the difference in the world. If you're going to blow it on a Mercedes, if you're going to blow it on a, you know, a wider TV, well, why do you need that stuff? But if you're going to use your resources for good purposes, if you're going to use your comfort in life to help others have comfort in life, hey, now there's something. Now the great thing about the sutra is that all the other big shots in the Bodhisattva world uh, were sent by the Buddha to see Vimalakirti. And, well, you know, it's not a competitive thing to be a Buddhist, but uh, he held his place with all of them. And as a matter of fact, according to the story, because it is called the Vimalakirti Sutra, so, you know, whoever is the, the star in that sutra usually, you know, stands out, is the, uh, better than all the others. He bested all the other bodhisattvas, not that they were, you know, particularly uh, shoddy themselves. It's just that Vermilakirti, you know, even though he was a layperson, even though he never practiced in a monastery, even though he was living out in the world, he had what it takes. And the point of this sutra is, and why it's so special, is anything that the Buddha offers is available to you, to me, to anyone if we know how to manifest it in this life. Now I'm going to just point out like some of my favorite uh, parts of the Vimalakirti Sutra and uh, you'll get a sense of why this is uh, such a uh, fantastic story. This is again from uh, Tygen Dan Layton's book. Vimalakirti practices a layman amid the delusions of the world but without getting ensnared by them. Doesn't that just say it all? In uh, the sutra, he is introduced in the most uh, lofty terms. He is endowed with great material wealth and appears to live as befitted his class of the time. Yeah, he was a rich guy. But Vimalakirti uses his riches to sustain the impoverished. Although he had a wife, a son, a harem, and servants, he lived simply as a religious devotee, abstaining from all sensual indulgence. 
Can we live in this world yet be free? Yes. And uh, now, so all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are sent to see him. And they're all good. They're all good. These are not, you know, lightweights. But Vermilakirti really holds his own. Why? Because he expresses a critique. Vermilakirti's critique expresses his special commitment to lay practice as a Bodhisattva model. Many of his comments and admonitions involve the tendency of the disciples to withdraw from engagement with the ordinary world. Vermilakirti criticizes priestly roles and religious trappings for masking inauthenticity of practice or interfering with the full development of spiritual potential of common people. Vermilakirti upholds the value of the universally available personal experience as the true criterion of spiritual teaching, understood in the light of the insubstantiality of all views and designations. You know, we've been having this talk about monasteries recently. I'm not against monasteries, but Vermilakirti's point is what's in the monastery, what's out of the monastery, well, our practice is beyond in and out. And there are things you can find out in the world, out in the monastery, out in the marketplace that you can find find in the monastery and vice versa too you know kitchen nursery monastery garage office all good all good all places to practice now in this story Vermilakirti also gets sick and that's a big deal too now there are many interpretations of what his sickness is actually all the bodhisattvas are kind of coming to pay their regards for his sickness and uh, but the good you know some people say he was not really sick and he was just uh, manifesting um, the sickness as a teaching tool. But let's just say he was sick. Even bodhisattvas get sick, and that's lovely. He did his teaching in the sickbed. Now, there's a lot of magic and uh, hocus-pocus in this uh, Mahayana Sutra, like most of them. For example, all these bodhisattvas and gods and Buddhas and whole kingdoms sit in these giant chairs in, in Vimalakirti's uh, sick room. And it's kind of like, uh, well, you know, real Hollywood special effects there. But, you know, on the other hand, you can take it for a lesson, you know. There's always that aspect of Mahayana teaching, of Buddhist teaching, of the whole universe, all time and space, sitting comfortably in a grain of sand. When you can taste that, when you can experience that, when you can pierce that, you can fit all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas in your sick room no problem plenty of space space to spare now as i said uh vermilakirti's beauty is not only because he was uh, so supportive of lay practice hey, it was a great statement of uh, sexism you know in those days women were sometimes felt to be beyond the possibility of enlightenment no chance you'd want to to be reborn as a dog or a woman, you know, was, was, you know, you'd want to be, perhaps if you were good in this life, the dog and the woman would have a chance to be reborn as a man, and then they'd have a chance to, to be, uh, attain Buddhahood. But that's not what happened in this story. There's a female character who appears and, and uh, starts uh, teaching Shariputra, and teacher, Shariputra says, hey woman, what are you doing? And she says, here, I'll show you. And she turns Shariputra into a woman. Actually her. And she becomes a Shariputra for a second. Shariputra goes, what? 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 I'm a woman. Help! And uh, the woman says, see? So let me, let me read this. Using her magical powers, the goddess performs an instant double sex change operation. 
she is transformed into Shariputra. And Shariputra is shocked and distraught to find himself a woman. And he admits that he does not know how to change back into a man. The goddess explains to Shariputra that the gender distinction is not ultimately real, that the Buddha has said that beings are not, in essence, limited to being either male or female. You know, we have some transgender friends of, um, uh, in our Sangha, and uh, I don't know of any uh, teaching that, that says more than this one. The goddess then changes Shariputra and herself back to their previous forms. She clarifies that just like Shariputra's temporary femininity, which he neither produced nor could transform, all qualities, including gender, are not in reality created. Anyway, great story. And now, oh, the Milakirti silence. Now, this is a good one, too. For Milakirti asks all the uh, bodhisattvas, you know, to express emptiness. And then at the end, um, I believe it's, uh, let me just make sure, Man Manjusri says it's silence, it cannot be expressed. And then Vermila Kirti shows him up by actually being silent. See, and people say, oh, you see, the other guys were just all talk, talk, talk about what is emptiness. And even Manjusri, when he said emptiness is silence, that was just talk, talk, talk. Vermila Kirti showed him. Well, that's not my really my interpretation. My interpretation, these guys were all heavyweights. They know, you know what they were doing. All their explanations of emptiness, beyond clean, beyond dirty, beyond up, beyond down, you know, this wonderful dance of emptiness. They're all good. And Manjusri was right too. It is silent. That was good. And Vermilakirti's actually being silent. That was good too. So anyway, that's why uh, Vermilakirti is uh, so widely appreciated. And I've actually thought of changing the name of Trili from time to time into uh, the name of the Vermilakirti Sangha. But the uh, name is just a name. But in the meantime, shall we practice that silence? I don't have the bell. I'm going to hit the clappers.